Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hey guys, welcome back. We have another exciting show today, and this one is special because it is our first guest to come back for a part two. We have our legendary Omega back in the studio for a second interview. If you missed the first part, please check episode number nine. You're going to really love it. And we got such great responses from the first episode that we had to kind of rush and get him back in here for another. And in that first interview, we talked to Omega, a legendary ex-NHL goalie, about his NHL experience from a goalie's perspective. We covered the difference between being a professional player in sports and being a professional sports investor. We talked about his uh, betting insights from the goalie perspective. We talked about fixed games and pro sports, upsets, streaks, a whole lot more. He shared some personal stories with us. You really need to go back and check that episode out if you haven't listened to it already. And today we're going to try to dig a little deeper into the live betting part of his system, talk a little bit more in depth about what systems he's using and having such great success with. And I just want to say on that note, if you are new to sports investing, and this sounds a little bit overwhelming, I want to urge you to go to www.sportsinvestingbible.com sportsinvestingbible.com and download a free copy of the Z Code Sports Betting Bible and start with that. Start right there. It's really going to help you cover all your bases and it gets down to the nitty gritty on all your sports investing questions that I know a lot of you have and are asking in the forums and uh, emailing to the podcast. So with that being said, let's welcome Omega back to the show. Omega, great to have you back, sir. Hey, Scott. Great to be here with you. Well, everybody loved your personal stories last time, and I was wondering if we could start today by maybe you sharing another story uh, before we get into the sports investing talk. Do you have one? Oh, absolutely. It, uh, one of the stories that comes back to me was uh, during my very first training camp with the New York Rangers. So uh, being a young 20-year-old there trying to make an impression, uh, I did pretty good during the rookie camp, and uh, so the Rangers invited me to main camp. And I survived uh, all the, the rounds of cuts. And uh, just before the, the real, uh, what I call the real exhibition season starts, where the majority of the players who are going to make the roster are playing the lineups, we, we had uh, a blue and white game. And it was me and John Hambiesberg playing off uh, against each other. And uh, for a young 20-year-old kid, that was pretty uh, pretty impressive to be looking down at their, their franchise guy. And uh we had a great game. They even stopped a penalty shot uh, during the game. And, you know, for a young kid trying to make a, an impression, it couldn't have gone any better. Our team won 3-2. And a couple of the boys uh, from the team, uh, remember Pierre LaRouche and Lucien Deblois, a couple of crazy French-Canadians were, uh, were there. And they decided to take me out uh, after the game. So we, we went out to a restaurant. We had a nice, a nice steak dinner. And uh, for those who are familiar with Pierre LaRouche, he, he's, he was an amazingly gifted and skilled hockey player, but just a crazy, crazy guy in the dressing room. He, uh, he kept all the boys loose. He had an amazing sense of humor. And, of course, his French accent always made things funnier. So we're sitting there having dinner, and he's across the table from me, and he says, uh, hey, hey, rookie, hey, rookie, you, you want to see some magic? And I said, sure. He says, well, give me, give me $20. So I give him $20. And he's sitting across from me, so you got it like we're sitting face to face. And he folds it up, puts it in his hands, raises his hands above my head, and blows into his hands. And next thing you know, the money disappears. 
and I'm like, I'm stunned. And you know, I mean, you gotta keep in mind, I've had a few, uh, a few beers here, so I'm, I'm probably easy to fool. And, uh, he goes, where is it? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I know that's amazing. Where's my money? Can I have it back? He says, no, no, give, give me another $20. Okay. So I give him another $20. He folds it up, does the same thing and it disappears. And I'm just mesmerized. I'm like, Where, where's all this money? So needless to say, he did this five times. So he quickly took $100 from me. And at that time, uh, our, our per diem, I was, uh, I think we were getting, I don't know how much, I think we were getting about $75 a day per diem. And so needless to say, he, he took all my money that I had in my wallet that, uh, that night. And what was happening was he was grabbing the money, folding it up. And as he was raising his hands above my head, he was throwing the money into a plant that was behind me. And then the guys on the other table, they were grabbing the money and they're buying drinks for everybody. So they took all my money that night and, uh, they, they proceeded to give me a few beers and, uh, you know, long story short, I was not in the best, uh, best shape. And so we ended up coming back to the hotel, uh, must've been about two, three in the morning. And our next scrimmage the next day was at, uh, I had to be at the rink at 7 a.m. Our group was on the ice that early. So I remember getting, coming home and stumbling home and waking up the next morning, and I was really not in good shape. I, I think I was still feeling uh, a little bit half inebriated. And we got into the dressing room, and I'm getting changed, and I'm putting on my gold pads, and I, I fell off the bench. And the guys in the room were all laughing because they kind of knew what was up. This was all set up, you know, unbeknownst to me, but it was all set up that they were going to have a little bit of fun with me. So I'm really scared and I'm really worried and anxious because it's my first training camp and I'm not in the best, best, <laughs> the best shape mentally. We come out on the ice and Eddie Jockman was uh, the New York Rangers uh, goalie coach. And he always came and talked to me before every, uh, every session and would just talk about the previous uh, ice session and, you know, let me know what he thought I was doing great or wrong. And so Eddie sees me on the ice and uh, he, he comes skating towards me and I'm scared to talk to Mr. Jockman because I, I feel like I've got alcohol just oozing all, all out of me <laughs> and I didn't want to find get found out and get in trouble. I'm having visions of getting sent home and I mean, I'm just panicked. So as Eddie's trying to skate towards me, I skate over to the other side of the ice. We were kind of playing this little game of keep away and uh, finally he came over to me and said, hey, how's it going? I said, good. And he said, and I'm, I'm kind of talking out of the opposite side of my mouth, hoping he doesn't smell what I've been involved in last night. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, hey, you had a great uh, scrimmage and, uh, you know, let's have a good practice. So practice starts and guys are coming down and they're taking like these high, all I'm thinking, all I'm thinking, Scott, is just survive practice, like just get through practice. And guys are coming down and they're taking high, hard slap shots at me. And normally I'm able to get out of the way. I couldn't. I didn't have anything. Like it was just thud, <laughs> thud. These pucks are hitting me in the head. They're hitting me high in the shoulders. I just couldn't get out of the way of anything. Managed to get through practice. And uh, the last 10 minutes of practice, uh, the guy who was running, one of the assistant coaches who was running the practice session, he decides to give us a, a conditioning skate. So they did this thing called the Sweet 16. You start at one end of the rink, you skate to the other end, you come back, and you do 20 push-ups. Skate to the other end of the rink, come back, and you do 25 sit-ups. Skate to the other end of the rink, and you come back, and then you maybe do these uh, 25 burpees. Now, everybody, you know, burpees are okay to do off the ice, but on the ice are a little more challenging. And as we got to the burpees, I 
did not feel good. I was getting more and more nauseous as uh, each one was coming up. And let's just say I, I felt I had to throw up. And as uh, soon as that was finished, I skated over to one end of the rake there where I could get over the boards and managed to uh, throw up a little over the ice. And all the guys, I used to take extra shots after uh, after each scrimmage, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling green under the gills, and all the guys are lined up in front of the goal. they got all their pucks out there, and they're all like, rookie, hey, rookie, come on, extra shots, extra shots. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> come over. <laughs> and so I proceeded to you know get all these extra shots, and I'm just, I'm not, re- I'm not doing well. And after that, uh, managed to get off the ice, get showered up, the Rangers, uh, they had a um, team meeting, and uh, I'm not sure if the, if the NHL still does this, but back in, in my day, there was a, uh, a sports psychologist that would come around and talk to all the teams. So he, it was his turn to uh, talk with the Rangers. So I come into the, the meeting room, and there is Pierre LaRouche and Lucien Devois. They're sitting there, and they got an empty chair beside them. And uh, they said, hey, rookie, come here, come here, sit down with us. So I come sit down with the boys, and... I'm really just trying to stay under the radar because I'm I'm thinking I hope nobody knows what happened last night. I'm feeling like this, you know, like the the jig could be up for me any minute. So the sports psychologist comes in there. His name was Maxi, and he starts talking about uh, the pressures of pro sports and uh, and how athletes deal with that. And uh, he says, you know what, guys, uh, because you have so much time on your hands, uh, alcohol and alcoholism is a big problem. And he said, uh, our latest statistics show that one out of every three players has an alcohol problem. And Pierre LaRouche goes, Maxi, one out of three? Are you sure? And Maxi says, yes. And Lucien and Pierre goes, really? So I'm number one, Lucien, you number two? Omega, you're number three, must be you. And I just <laughs> read to my face, the room just starts laughing and Needless to say, I thought I'm in big trouble now. So after yeah. afterwards, uh, the, the the meeting ends and everything, and uh, Eddie Jockman comes and pulls me aside, and I thought, oh, no, I'm going to get in big trouble. And Eddie Jockman just said, uh, you know what? He said, hey, don't worry. We know that the boys took you out last night. It was just all part of fun and a little team, bo- you know, team bonding, and you, you, were, uh, this, you were this week's victim. And uh, so after that, it kind of took the pressure off. And that was just a way of the guys kind of saying, hey, you know, welcome aboard, so to speak. Yeah, there's no more magic shows after that for you, though, huh? No, no more magic shows. (laughs) And and I don't drink anymore. Did you get to see that other new rookies come in and participate in that show? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's always funny. It's it's always, uh, you know, the guys play it up and they they always let everybody know, like, oh, man, you're going to be in big trouble. (laughs) So they really put the heat on you. Oh, I can't imagine doing burpees hungover. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, appreciate you sharing that. That's a great story. Let's take a little bit of time and get back into the sports investing. The first thing I wanted to ask you about today was I'm noticing that there are two types of sports investors. And first, there are guys uh, in the forums and different places that are saying, you know, teach me the system so I can do it myself. And then there seems to be the second group that doesn't really care about learning the system. They just say, give me the picks. And it's unfortunately the second group doesn't seem to last as long. And they keep jumping from one system to another. They're always looking for the next big thing. And this week it's Omega and next week it's somebody else's system. And why do you think it is that guys who don't bother to understand one system 
uh, completely or, or more thoroughly, they usually fail in the long term. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've always believed that unless you understand what's uh, what's going on, you, you'll never be able to last long term. Uh, it's very easy. It, it, in all honesty, Scott, it, it's very easy to win. It's very easy to win, but it's not it's not easy to make profit. And it'd be very easy for people to just find a, a game with really low odds and, and pick a pick a winner and think that they're they're doing good. But long term, you there's much more there's much more thinking that has to go on into into a system and a process that you can make long term long term profits. And I think a lot of it is just basic uh, basic human nature. Uh, I'm not trying to say everybody on Z Code is lazy or anything like that, but I mean, if you if you can just come on and uh, uh, get some picks and and winning every day, you know, most people will will kind of gravitate towards that. But for me, I've always wanted to. I didn't want to be dependent upon somebody else. Uh, I want to. Like, what, what happens if you're following somebody and that that person, you know, uh, becomes ill or leaves or moves or and, you know, next thing you know, this this person that you were, the system that you were uh, relying on for your for your profits disappears. Uh, I, I don't want to have anybody uh, be responsible for my profits other than myself. I mean, I, I take a look at this as a business. This is Omega Incorporated, and I have to understand. I, I want to be responsible for how much money I make, and so the the, the challenge I think for uh, for folks is to, if you are following somebody, uh, take the time to try to learn and question. I mean, everybody on the the community on the forum is is really open with each other. And don't be afraid to ask questions about, you know, why are you doing this or what are the things that you're looking for? I mean, the more, I mean, we have, we've always heard that knowledge is power and that, that's absolutely true. So I wouldn't, my, my advice to anybody would be just don't follow, don't follow anybody blindly and try to take the time and learn as to what's, what's going on. And so that you can, I think there's something really, really empowering. And that's one of the things that I've always really enjoyed was when I would share something about what I'm doing or what I'm trying and, and others would try it, and they would make their own profits. You can almost see the sense of uh, joy that they have by being able to figure something out on their own, and and that empowerment that comes from being able to win on their own. And that's a, a thing that I'd try to encourage everybody to do. Obviously, you advocate more the uh, teach a man how to fish rather than the give him a fish approach. So, for somebody coming into this new, could you drill down on that point just a little bit about maybe how they could find? the right system or once they find the system they're comfortable with how to really start approaching it or learning it or digging into it a little more absolutely like and like i said it comes down to to asking questions and for me i just started uh looking at systems i was looking at uh at plays and i mean like for example when i first came on uh, uh cliff's ftp system was something that was producing really strong consistent profits and cliff's got you know obviously never divulged what his filters are. I believe he said he has like nine or 11 different filters aside just from the line reversals that he was looking at. And But I would take a look at the, the picks that were coming up and showing up as FTPs, and I, I would take a look at the line reversals, and I'd study the lines to try to see why that was coming up as an FTP. And not understanding all, the, all of Cliff's different uh, filters and parameters, I developed enough of my own comfort in looking at lines and, and understanding what teams were, what games were winning, correlating to how those lines were working. And I started to feel comfortable enough uh, making plays on my own based upon lines. 
that weren't qualifying as an official FTP, but they were falling into what I felt comfortable with that I thought had a real strong probability of uh, producing a profit. So it, it's, I think, uh, just a matter of looking at these systems, uh, asking, you know, asking the question, studying things, and trying to, trying to see if you can, when, it, when you make a play on a, on a system that wins, Take a look at the lines. Take a look at the odds. Take a look at what uh, what was being offered, and try to establish these patterns and familiarities for yourself. For me, what uh, what's been really working, you know, uh, is my live investing strategies, and I call them live investing because they're to me they're not bets. I am taking a look at the the odds that are being offered, and taking a look at the probabilities that are happening, and I'm finding these edges live that. To me, I'm I'm trying to eliminate the majority of the risk out of the play, and to me, they're much more. I look at I'm making an investment, not a bet, and I think a lot of it is just a, a psychology. And I've often come on the forum and talked about that when a game hasn't gone my way, I don't take a look at it as a loss. As a loss, it's just a delayed profit. And if you have that psychology, it, it takes the pressure off because nobody likes to lose. But I've come to um, I've, I've developed my, my systems and my experience enough that I know and feel comfortable and confident enough in my own abilities that I won't carry a bet into a C, D, or E bet. Usually after I suffer a, a delayed profit, I can usually recoup that within the next second or the second or third play. So I develop that confidence in, in what I'm looking at and what I'm doing to know that I'm going to experience my profit. Okay, so you touched on a little bit your live betting. So let's talk about your live betting system for a moment. Live investing. What, live investing. <laughs> uh, what do you look for in live investing during basketball games? Yeah, there's <clears throat> the, the interesting thing is I've, I've been experimenting. We, I mean, some of the things we've talked about on the forum are uh, the what we jokingly call the BLT system, and that's taking a game and uh, taking a quarter in a game and watching the game and watching uh, how many points are being accumulated, uh, calculating how many points are being scored after, after three-minute increments. And then you start to establish a, a trend and start to see if uh, a team is, is going to be going over or under. Now, that's a, it's a little bit more involved. Um, uh, not everybody can do that because of the different bookies that they have. I mean, if you, if you have access to Bet365, Bet365 is bar none the most robust platform that is conducive to my live investing strategies. Now, some of these, uh, some of the other things I've been experimenting with, trying to make it easier for for folks to try to follow, is uh, I really have been enjoying uh, these plays that happen in quarters that are race to 10 points, race to 15 points, and race to 20 points. Um, there's not as much counting that goes on. So obviously, in a quarter, before the start of a quarter, the the bookie is offering he'll show you which team he thinks is going to win the race to 10 points. So you might see odds of being offered. Uh, so let's just let's just pick two teams um, uh, like Indiana and Miami. So before the start of a quarter, they might say the team that's going to win the race to ten. The odds might be minus one uh, one forty to plus one twenty. And so obviously the bookie is saying that uh, let's just say uh, Miami is minus or uh, minus one forty. Now, what you got to watch is, okay, will Miami get possession? So if Miami gets possession and they get the first two points, okay, so the odds will start to not quite adjust yet. 
What I like to watch is if Indiana has the next possession, if they don't get the basket and there's a turnover, now Miami's coming down and they're about to score the fourth point. I try to jump on that play right there because it's like you're getting a bit of a, a head start. So if a team is winning, if a team, if you're making a play for a race to 10 points and you can get them at a four nothing run, you have a real strong probability that they're going to win that race to 10 points. If you're making that play, you have to make that play before the fourth point is scored. So you got to kind of anticipate when that next basket is going to happen, because once the fourth point is scored, that option to make that play disappears. It also works the same way on the race to 15 points. You have to make that play by the time the seventh point or eighth point is scored, and then that disappears. And then if you're making the race to 20 play, uh, that'll disappear by the 10th point. So it's really watching the odds. The odds are going to kind of tell you which uh, which way the, the bookie thinks which team is going to win that race. And uh, it's been working really, really well. I've been finding that I'm probably averaging about a 75% a success rate with uh, those type of scenarios. Wow. And that's you're touching on the BLT system. Now, there's another system. It's the NCM system. Yes, Could you tell us what that stands for and how it works? Uh, that stands for non-counting method. And that's something that I've mostly implemented in, in overseas basketball, not as much on, uh, on NBA. Uh, the non-counting method is taking a look at games, and I found that they were applicable to a first quarter and a third quarter. Now, one of the reasons why I started experimenting that with that was because uh, a, a lot of folks in the forum, just with the bookies that they, they have, they're, they're not able to participate in uh, the games the way the, the BLT system was being offered. So I thought, can we actually win quarters just based on non-counting method? So what I found is looking at different varying lines, the, if, if the over and under, uh, remember I talked about previously the, the magic odds. I love it when I see uh, a situation where I see an odd of minus 120 and plus 120. So let's just say there's a basketball overseas game starting in the, the bookie is saying that the first quarter totals are going to be over 30, over 37. And you're seeing that magic odd of, of uh, over plus 120 and under minus 120. I would actually take the play. I was experimenting in taking the play of minus 120 because the bookie thinks that there's going to be 37 points scored in this uh, in this quarter, but I often found that a lot of times these teams, they come out and they're uh, just feeling each other out, and I found that their totals were coming in under what the bookie was suggesting may happen in the first quarter. So I was just dubbed it non-counting method. Whenever I saw that uh, first quarter or third quarter happening, well, I'll explain more about the third quarter, but the first quarter, I would take the uh, take the under at the minus 120, and I found that that was winning probably in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 percent. So to have a uh, have a system in place where you can just you know win 65 70 percent of the games just based on what you see the bookie was offering, I think was really, really impressive. And I just offered that as a, a system that the, the forum could experiment with and try out for themselves in those that weren't able to participate in like the BLT system. The reason why the third quarter was uh, uh, integral was if you can, you actually were able to watch the totals from the first quarter and the second quarter. So if the bookie was offering in the third quarter, let's just say he was offering a, a under 37 again, 
and the total in the first quarter was scored was 34, and the total in the second quarter was scored 35 or 36, I felt that there was a real strong probability that they wouldn't go over in the third quarter. And so I found that I was winning a lot of games in the third quarter as well. I did experiment with that a, a little bit in the NBA. And uh, obviously the, the, the sample size here is not that uh, strong. And I wouldn't uh, really try this in the playoffs, but near the end of the season, I was experimenting with it in the NBA. And I found that uh, the, the results were very consistent to what I was seeing in, in overseas. Hmm. Well, one of the most profitable live investing for you was from first point scored system and team to win a quarter system. So how did you apply those? Not all books offer this. I only have this available to me on Sports Interaction. But they would give you a choice of a two-point play, a three-point play, or a free throw. And I found that I was taking the, the two-point plays just because obviously those, those are more common uh, in a basketball game, especially at the start of a quarter. So whenever I saw those being offered, I would often jump on and take the, uh, uh, the first two points or the first play in the quarter would be scored was a two-point play instead of a three-pointer or a free throw. And I was, I was hitting those so about a 70% uh, ratio as well. Now, not everybody's going to have that, uh, that option, but if, if they do, uh, I would say start, start trying and experimenting to see uh, if you can get the, the two-point plays because those are the more common, common points that will be scored in a basketball game. In hockey, in hockey, I would often take these plays for first goal scored. Now, the start of a game, uh, you, you obviously have your lean on who you think is, is going to win. And I would watch the start of a game, and I would take a look to see how the teams are coming out. A lot of the times, you don't get a goal scored in the first five minutes, so you get a chance to see how the teams are opening up. And one of the things that I like to see, or, or filter per se, if, if you want to call it that, is if I'm suspecting, say, Chicago to score the first goal, and I notice in the first five minutes that they've had five or six shots and the other team has only had one, I like that. That means to me that my team is coming out strong, they're getting more shots than my opponent, and obviously common sense dictates if you're going to have more shots on goal, you probably will score first. So I will often take them when I see that kind of a start. The other thing that I also do is I'll watch the game. Uh, a lot of times I don't even watch a game on television. I'll just watch it off uh, via the, the box scores on NHL.com. And I can see how the, how the shot clock is going, so I can see how the teams are progressing in shots. But a lot of times it'll also show you when the team gets a power play. When I notice a team gets a power play, as soon as you see that penalty being called, you can often get your play in before the odds adjust. And if you think your team is going to score first – and they've just gotten a power play, jump on the play, and oftentimes I will make that play, and sure enough, uh, a goal gets scored uh, within, within that power play. And those, uh, those are some of the things that have been utilizing quite, uh, quite well. Uh, the great thing I like about the uh, playing a team to score first is the odds are often better than what uh, the lines are being offered before the start of a game. So if you've, if you've got a favorite they might be offered at adult, uh, 1.40 or 1.50, and a lot of times the next goal scored, I'm getting odds of like 1.74, 1.75, or if you get a sense that uh, the opposition team is about to score, you, you often get those odds at uh, over two, which are really great. Now, you're saying that this isn't available everywhere or with every uh, site. Are there some bookies that you would suggest for live investing? Yes, uh, the two the the two that I really use uh, I, I use three books, but the two that are are 
more conducive to my live investing strategies are Bet365 and Sports Interaction. Now, I understand that some of our uh, our folks in the United States uh, might not have access uh, to these. Uh, I'm not as familiar with what books um, uh, are more conducive, but I know that there's a lot of a lot of guys in the forum that uh, can probably share that information. Okay, and on live investing with baseball, what do you look for and the money ball system. Lots of different plays um, I've been working with on uh, during the MLB is I've been working and playing live investing strategies on teams to win after uh, three innings. Uh, so you can take a look to see who your who your who your lean is on. Uh, like for example, yesterday uh, picked up a couple wins with the, the Detroit, Detroit Tigers versus the Boston game. Uh, watching the Watching the game, uh, you can see that uh, the Tigers pitching was really strong and uh, Boston pitching was struggling. So the offering to me was available to take Detroit at plus one and a half uh, for good odds after three innings and uh, took that play. And sure enough, they were up 4-2 after three innings. I also decided to make that same play uh, after five innings, except this time I took uh, Boston at minus one and a half and uh, that play cashed. And also had uh, Detroit uh, at minus. Uh, sorry, I took a Detroit at uh, plus one and a half before the game. So you can also there's three innings, there's five innings that uh, that are you can make these plays. Uh, the other thing that guys have been experimenting with, uh, they often post on the forum is about a P7 system, and the the P7 system is taking the team who has the lead after seven innings. Uh, I guess uh, they're there's been some great uh, research. Uh, our friend Cliff, uh, who's full of a lot of analytical data, uh, ran some numbers back and uh, say that uh, there's a success rate of about 90% uh, for teams that are winning after seven innings that they actually win the game. The the odds aren't uh, the odds are very very low, but you know the the trade-off is that you have a, a high success rate. Uh, what I've been what I've been kind of doing that and just modifying that a little bit myself is playing more spread. So if a team has uh, a two-run lead after seven innings, uh, a lot of times I've been experimenting with uh, taking taking a spread uh, if I can get one one uh, an extra run there. So instead of winning by two, I take them to win by one and get the odds uh, a little bit better to safeguard yourself against. Uh, uh, when you're playing a P7 system like that, because you have to outlay a lot more money to make a, a substantial or to make at least a, a return that's worthwhile, is I would be careful to take a look at if the team that is winning after seven runs, if they've had, how should I say this, the the team that is losing, I take a look at how many hits each team has had. So if the team that is winning, let's just say they've had five hits, but the team that is losing has had seven hits or eight hits, I won't make that play because uh, the other team is hitting well, so there's a, a strong probability for them to try to maybe get another one or two runs in you know the final two innings, and you can you can lose your 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 investment there. So one of the filters for me that I've kind of used uh, in in taking that play after seven innings, I, I want to make sure that the team that I'm playing uh, they actually have more hits than the other team. So very similar to hockey, if you if you got more shots, you should score more goals. If you got more hits, you should get more runs. It's not a not a, a 100% foolproof science, but uh, it's something that's been conducive to giving me a comfort factor in in the wins that I've been getting after these seven seven inning plays. 
Yeah, there's a lot of differences there between what you can do with basketball and baseball when it comes to live investing. What about NHL? How do you address that when it comes to live investing? Sure. Um, the, the other one more thing on the on the baseball is uh, another sure. system that I've been doing. We touched on uh, was money 